from KQED. Before we get to this week's episode, I have a favor to ask you, dear, dear listeners. Since you know a lot about us by this point, after 40 plus episodes, we naturally want to know a bit more about you and what you think of our show. Head on over to KQED Pop on Twitter to take our cute little survey. We really, really appreciate it. And now, on with the show. Hey everyone, I'm Emmanuel. I'm Carly. And I'm Jamaica. And we're the hosts of The, the Cooler, your weekly dose of pop culture commentary. Today we're finding out what astrologers are thinking about Election Day 2016. We're going to be taking another return to the idiom bank, but don't have kittens. And what remakes and adaptations are way too sacred to touch? We'll find out. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I like that a lot of times our reactions to random things is like, mm. <laughs> oh. spicy. Mm. Spicy. Oh, I like that. That could be like, that's hot. So, y'all, mm-hmm. the 2016 election is upon us. It's been very unpredictable the past couple months. I'll and say. Americans are on the edge of their seats, very anxious. I think it's everyone, not just Americans. Yeah, the People whole world is like, are like oh. what's happening? Yeah, shout out to the world that doesn't know what's going on. <laughs> to quote RuPaul, don't fuck it up. <laughs> <laughs> you should have seen the neck action that came along with that. Yeah, the neck wobble. So, everyone's concerned about what's going to happen on November 8th whatever your politics, Mm -hmm. there are several options on how to deal with this unsettling uncertainty. I'll give you three. A, you keep your mind off of all the drama by maybe going outside. Yeah, Hmm. it's lovely out there. Get off the computer. Enjoy a hobby, maybe like crochet or something. Mm. Maybe have a nice chilled drink on a patio somewhere. A delicious chilled drink. Hang out with friends. Uh, Yeah, with with drinking. Mm -hmm. Watch all seasons of Gilmore Girls because you really should. It's a great show. (laughs) (laughs) You see how I just like worked that in? Slide that in there. I got three in. We'll talk about that later. Option B, rant on Facebook and pick a fight with everyone you know from high school because it seems like everyone loves that option. That's such a good idea. Don't do it. I don't even log in anymore. And that thing where you can like star people you want to see things Um, from. Now I just only see things from like you two and like close friends. And that's about it. That is called an echo chamber, my friend. Yeah. So, I wonder if there's research done on how many people are unfriended during political seasons. Astronomical. <laughs> and I use that word. Oh, no. <laughs> yes. No. He's going there, Carly. No. Because option C is find answers by watching weird, super long YouTube videos of astrologers <gasps> talking about how the planets and stars will affect our country's future. Here we go. Emmanuel Hapsis, or should I say Judas Iscariot, <laughs> you have betrayed me once more. I know Carly hates astrology, but here we are. Let's go. So I just finished watching about a dozen of these videos. Oh, my God. It was a I lot. feel for you. I did learn some things, so I'm here to share with you what astrologers are saying about Bernie, Hillary, and Donald. Oh, goody. Mm. So let's start with a woman who calls herself the Uranian astrologer. Hey. Okay. <laughs> Is she actually from Uranus? I think she might be. Cool. <laughs> She's a nice white lady who intros oh. some of her videos with explicit Snoop Dogg songs. <laughs> I kid you not. She mixes it up. It was about Hillary Clinton, and then all of a sudden, it's Snoop Dogg, like, throwing down the F word 
all over the place. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The Uranian astrologer is, is down. The, okay. The gin yeah. to her juice. <laughs> yes. So she has a two-part video series about the overall planetary vibe for our country right now. I say vibe because all of these people say, I'm picking up on these vibrations in oh. the universe. So they don't say vibes. They say vibrations. Vibrations. Okay. Vibrations. Vibrations. So according to her, the only time we've had these exact planetary transits have been during the American Revolution and leading up to the Civil War. So things are about to go down, people. It's about About to to go go down. down. (laughs) All three of us just did that. In harmony. Yes. We are the next Destiny Child. It's happening. Destiny's grandchild. (laughs) Okay. So back in the American Revolution days, Pluto was all up in Capricorn. Similarly, Pluto entered Capricorn for us in 2008, which is a pivotal year for us. Mm -hmm. Yes. Hi, Obama and Malia and everyone else. And is there until 2025. So this is like still happening. We're in the midst. Pluto is a planet of death and rebirth and will allegedly compel us to come to terms with ugly parts of our nation. Mm. It is known to shove toxic elements of society into the light so that something new can emerge. So in both American Revolution times and modern times, there's a frustration with the status quo and abuses of power. Hmm? You're saying all this like you think she's got a point. <laughs> Do not doubt the Uranian astrologer <laughs> and her Snoop Dogg Pay no soundtrack. attention to that woman behind the curtain. <laughs> so through confronting these things, our country's soul will become free and transform like so you a said dove or something. 2025 is when it, when it ends. Yeah, so we okay. have some work to do. I don't have time for that. I'm going to be 25 then. <laughs> right. But Pluto isn't the only planet effing stuff up right okay. now. <laughs> Neptune is currently in the beginning of a new cycle, which hasn't been renewed since the years leading up to the Civil War. This is a time of destroying restrictive rules and boundaries to enable downtrodden people to rise up. Rise okay. up. So now that we have a general lay of the land or universe or mm-hmm. whatever, let's continue with what a different astrologer by the name of Robert Phoenix. Oh, yeah, because you want to get several experts. Then, yeah. You know. He stands in front of a really calming twinkle star background. I love it. And he has a really bold goatee. Just painting a picture for you guys. Bold. She sense the, the, they might have been like... Uh, so bold is in, in color. Stained slightly. Bold in size or bushiness. It bushiness. is multicolored and it says, I am here, world. Ooh, okay. See me. Comb me. So he's standing in front of the Windows 95 screensaver with the zooming stars. <laughs> yeah. And the Wonderful. goatee that does not quit. Hello. Okay. Cool. His expertise is digging into the individual star charts of each of the candidates. So I will briefly tell you what he said about Bernie, Hillary, and Trump. Okay. Let's start with Bernie. Robert Phoenix says, quote, his chart is electric right now. Electric, people. That's me doing a sweet lick. (laughs) So he was trying to explain why millennials like him so much. And he has two theories. One He's like, I'm going to be cynical and say millennials think they deserve everything they can oh, get. So go. they love hearing about socialist ideas and like free whatever, whatever. So, Robert so the Phoenix, man who can't decide mm-mm. what color his beard should be <laughs> thinks that millennials want everything. Yeah. So that's one thing. And then he looked at the chart and the evidence, if you will, mm, and said Saturn is conjunct with Uranus and Gemini. And Saturn represents Father Time. Old things. Mm-hmm. Conjunct is youth culture. And Sanders represents the merging of old and new. And then he called him, quote, a collectivist's wet dream. Oh, gosh. Mm. No need to take it there, mate. That explains that, I guess. Um, he does say that 
Sanders is a Virgo, like oh, like Jamidra. I'm a Virgo. You might not be proud anymore <laughs> after what I just have to say now. He says, and so is Beyonce. I will say, uh oh. You have to bring Beyonce. I sure did, because her birthday is the day after mine. Go for Uh-oh. it. Uh-oh. All right. Go after Robert Phoenix and not me, because it's not me saying this. But he says, Virgo presidents, in his opinion, are failures. Oh. <gasps> Why? Because we're perfectionists? Such we as like... LBJ. Failure. Mm-hmm. And, like, other guys. Failures. Failures. <laughs> other guys. Other guys. Uh, other guys. <laughs> Asterisk other guys. All those other guys. <laughs> Hold on. Let me look at this chart. Yeah. Who's another Virgo? Let's see. Taft got stuck in a bathtub. Failure. Uh, <laughs> true story. True story. He also says Bernie will never be more popular than he is now, so he mm. better soak it up. Um, his Mars is in Aries, which means red, which means communism, just like Gorbachev, who also has Mars in Aries. Coincidence? Maybe. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Can we just put a picture of my face? Yeah, please. On the website. The fourth co-host this segment is your eye roll. <laughs> or death stare. Just today, I'm brought to you by disdain and contempt. Uh, yeah. Apparently, Bernie can't deal with Leo's. Trump DiCaprio? is a Leo rising. Oh. And Leo DiCaprio. I'm sure he has a problem with him, too. So are they saying that Leos and Virgos don't get along? Yeah, that's what it says. My son is a Leo. Good luck. Uh-uh. Good luck you with the teen years. You in line. <laughs> He's going to be like, Mom, you are a failure of a president. I don't listen to you. And you'll be like, it's okay, because astrology explains your behavior. What? <laughs> oh, you now live in a hippie house, so that's something <laughs> that someone would likely say. So he's a Scorpio rising, and Robert Phoenix says, never underestimate a Scorpio rising. They're in it till the end. He's in it to win it. I must say, I'm also a Scorpio rising. I'm also in it to win it. Oh, well done. Also, Hillary Clinton, Scorpio rising. Really? So they're both in it to win it. Who's going to win it? I don't know, but we'll see. She apparently will have to eventually be beholden to the plutocracy that's been giving her money because Pluto is in Capricorn in her second house, people. That means something mm. to some people. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Basically, all of Hillary's chart is about how she feels vulnerable. So she hides her true positions and how she really feels. And this comes across as untrustworthy to people. So if she wants to break through, she has to destroy the defenses that keep people from finding out who she really is and reveal her strength and Insight and all the good things that would make her a good president. Says this expert who has met Hillary how many times? Maybe once. (laughs) (laughs) Very generous. Moving along to Trump. We already said he's a Leo rising. Apparently that means he is here on Earth to play the role of the king. Or he believes that. His role in life should be to develop a healthy ego and learn to come from the heart. Unfortunately, Mars and Leo is making that hard to do because that indicates a secret desire to be a sun god, to be Apollo. And this guy thinks that his penthouse in Trump Tower, which is ceiling to floor encased in gold, is in a way a shrine to Apollo. And he needs to work on moving away from that and dealing more with the heart. I just had this vision of him adding Kanye West to the ticket. (laughs) <laughs> oh, that would be a difficult vote for a lot of people now i'm interested he apparently insists that people love and worship him um no comment no comment no comment <laughs> something weird is that no <laughs> something weird yeah in all of this can astrology you, can you believe in all of this solid information <laughs> it's gonna say so robert phoenix says this video is months old and he says oh, june 16th which is the day this episode comes out. (gasps) Mars will be retrograde square, 12th house, something, 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 which represents 
hidden enemies, and Trump needs to be careful because people want to kill him. Danger, Ooh. danger. Ooh. So danger, Will Robinson, danger, Trump, on June 16th, the day this comes out, Good or Lord. around then. Be careful. Finally, let's figure out who the astrologers think will win. Barbara Goldsmith, another nice white lady who does not play Snoop tracks, but she has a cool dry erase board with different colored markers. There okay. So she has her own thing. She's doing this. Kind of teacher vibe going on. Yeah. So she says everything comes into Capricorn in 2020, which is when this whole polarity that we've been dealing with, like female versus masculine, Republican versus Democrat, man versus woman, all this stuff, we're going to learn how to compromise, lose the mean you. Find the us. Mm. You know when what I'm saying? Happening? 2020 around. Okay, so we got 2020 and then <laughs> yeah. 2025 is when we're done. There's right. no you and, and then we me. will be officially mm-hmm. post-racial. That's what she says. Okay. Cool. <laughs> and post-sexist. You know, everything. So she was like, I'm not even going to deal with Bernie because I don't see it for him. But I'm going to focus on Hillary and Trump. What she found was Hillary, Scorpio, Sun and Rising, Pisces, Moon. All of them feminine elements. Mm, okay. Trump, Gemini Sun, Sagittarius Moon, Leo Rising, all masculine. I just had a moment that she just told us that a woman is feminine and a man is masculine. Certain signs are feminine. Do not scoff at astrology, Jamie. Her insights are deep and they are rooted in science. Yeah, even Carly thinks so. So she didn't look at the aspects for the candidates on that day, on Mm -hmm. November 8th. She looked at 8 p.m. when the polls close. What is happening in the world when they find out? Oh, okay. So we're, so we are so we are effectively, sir, looking into the future right now. Yeah. Okay. When she was talking about the fact that she was going to look at 8 p.m. instead of the whole day, she says, quote, So I'm going to take a different tack here entirely, stepping out on a bit of a limb here. But why not? Uranus is in Aries. She said it in a British accent, too, so it's your fault. I can't Don't give me that look. Watched all of Pacific these time? Videos. 8 p.m. Pacific time? Or See, she Eastern didn't time? mention. See, she got to be specific. Greenwich Mean Time? <laughs> so she said, by looking at where everything is there... All water signs. All of Hillary's feminine elements, all water signs. Mm. So she thinks it's going to be Hillary. Mars, the most masculine thing out there, is not very masculine at 8 p.m. on this day. So it's not looking good for Donald Trump. She says. Take it with a grain of salt or... More than a grain. (laughs) (laughs) Last note, to further the Hillary Clinton water sign feminine thing, the most impactful presidents that we've ever had are mostly water signs. George Washington, water sign. Teddy Roosevelt, water sign. FD, no. John F. Kennedy, no. No. <laughs> F*** it. Whatever. What's, oh what's, what's Obama? Oh, my God. Obama is a fire sign. He's a Leo. So there you have it. Thank you, Carly, for not just, like, screaming throughout that entire segment. That was great. I learned so I much. I could hear her eye rolling, though. Yeah, I'm it's like... Here. Got that kind of little scratching sound. <laughs> People out there who love astrology, you're welcome. People who don't. Carly is here for you I at am. Teacup in the Bay on Twitter. Tweet me. You guys can gripe about me and my existence and the fact that I'm such a Scorpio rising and a Libra sun. <laughs> <laughs> you're still holding it in, and I appreciate it. Okay. <laughs> and you just flipped me off. Which side is best for me? Okay, so folks, I know we've spoken a lot about the idioms that we love. Emmanuel, you did a fantastic roundup. Thank you. Of idioms from around the world. Remind me of our favorites. Blow um, Little Ducks. Blow Little Ducks was a very popular one. Hanging Noodle on the Ears. <laughs> <laughs> one that came later 
on the online quiz and wasn't actually in the episode was to live in the butt of a wolf. Ooh. So I really love that one. I know. Take, so take the quiz if you. Yeah. And I photoshopped Hillary Duff saying it while she's in Italy because it's an that. Italian saying. So if you want to see that ridiculous <laughs> Photoshop job and learn what that means. Go to KQED Pop and you'll find a quiz. There. Crowbarring that plug in there. Yep, I always. Respect <laughs> always respect my hustle, yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, I was sitting here thinking, we're traveling so far. We're having to get our passports out for this travel around the world to get these idioms. Guys, we don't have to go that far. Hmm. We just have to go 5,000 miles to the east, back to the United Kingdom. <laughs> to your parents' manor. Guys, I am sitting on a gold mine here. Realized oh. there are so many great idioms that we've never discussed, and the thing is, these are all things that I have said in discussions, conversations, even meetings at KQED. <gasps> well, I think they're a thing over here, and only the blank faces of those around me tell me that they're not a thing. Enlighten us. Thing is, guys, this is not informational. I am not here to educate. I am simply sick and tired of being misunderstood. Mm -hmm. And I thought it would be far easier (laughs) just to make you all come around to my way of thinking rather than change my own ways because who has the time for that? Okay, so you hear that? So after this podcast... Carly expects all Americans to start using these idioms. Is that correct? Did I hear that right? Okay. Just change your ways, guys. Okay, also, I am going to go for the PG-13 version here. I have plenty of X-rated ones. The cooler after dark. Exactly. Mm. Look for them on my new subscription-only podcast. (laughs) Okay, number one. This phrase, tell me if you've heard it, a damp squib. I used this in a meeting recently. People's looks on their faces were just like... Like this? Yeah. Because I'm like... Like that. Okay. Exactly. Do you know what that means? No. I mean, it sounds like something that's useless or that you don't want. You're almost there. It's like if you organized a party and nobody came, it would be a damp squib. It's a total anticlimax. If you organized a piss-up in in a a brewery... brewery, He's learning. And... It was a damp squib. It pissed up in a brewery, but uh, although the beer was off. What okay. a damp squib that would be. Oh. And there's an origin because squib means explosive. Oh. So in the old days, oh. if you got your little squib wet, it goes, it's a damp squib. It. it wouldn't go off. I would so, have thought like a party pooper when you said that. Like I would think, oh, you're such a damp squib. <laughs> like a wet blanket. Yeah. I think that's acceptable. Per Wikipedia, while most modern squibs, that's explosive, used by <laughs> professionals are insulated from moisture, older uninsulated squibs needed to be kept dry in order to ignite. Thus, a damp squib was literally one that failed to perform because it got wet. Moral oh. of the story, keep your squib keep dry, Keep your squibs people. dry, guys. Dry. Okay, guys, number two. Having... Kittens. Again, I use this phrase and nobody knew what I was talking about. If you have kittens, you are freaking out and you can't. I was going to say, it's like blowing a gasket. You didn't even give us a chance to get. Demeter knew that. Demeter's like, I'm having kittens over here. Pick me, pick me, pick me. Miss, you forgot to give us homework. Okay, you're freaking out if you're having kittens. Per the BBC, 
You're going to love this, guys. The phrase dates back to more superstitious times when witches were viewed as a genuine threat to society. Mm. It was said that witches could place a spell on a pregnant woman by turning her unborn baby into kittens that would literally scratch their way out the womb. Wow. Many women suffering from perfectly normal pregnancy pains believed that they had fallen victim to a spell. People mm-hmm. were tripping so often yes. and really frequently were. in the past. But guys, don't have kittens about it. Because they don't have a kitten. No witches. <laughs> Don't have a kid. I like don't have a kitten. <laughs> but you know what? Kittens are self-sufficient and, and you can leave them home for long periods of time. That's so true. And a kid, you have to wash all the time. That's right. He wants that. So like, even if you did have to freak out, don't freak out about the kitten. That's yeah, probably exactly. the easiest thing you could have. Occasional companionship. Yeah. Yes. Where's Hello. the kitten? He's back at home. He's no trouble. Number three, bang to rights. <laughs> oh, say it again. Come again. Bang to rights. Bang to rights. What does bang that mean? If you're bang to rights, what does that mean? It means that you, I think that it's either sexual or it has something to do with alcohol. In the butt of the wolf. (laughs) (laughs) Emmanuel, any ideas? Is it like about being an anarchist or something? Absolutely not. It's if you committed a crime and the police came along and they caught you red-handed. They'd say, mate, you're banged to rights. And I looked it up. I was like, what does this mean? Yeah, break it down. Okay. Okay. So there was a guy called George Matzel, who was the first New York City police commissioner. And he wrote in 1859 a book of like scumbag vocabulary, basically. (laughs) He called it Vocabulum or the Rogue's Lexicon. And it contained the entry, dead to rights, positively guilty and no way of getting clear. And somehow in the ensuing like century and a half or whatever... Dead to rights has become bang to rights. Mm. Uh-huh. There you go. Why do I feel like I want to copy this book to reference? Wouldn't that be great? Then? A rogue's lexicon. Just start holding around talking like this, say. <laughs> I'm a criminal, say. <laughs> you are so bang to rights right now. <laughs> okay, marching onwards. Went down a treat. What would that say? Went down a treat. If tree. I was like, ooh. That went down a treat. Oh, um, things it, turned out sluttier than you thought they would. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a good thing, guys. It's, it's if you've had a lovely slice of cake, oh, went down a treat, or just a particularly satisfying cup of tea. Oh, that went down a treat. Now I have visions huh. of like skipping down the yellow brick road. There you go. So you say it. You sit back on your chair slightly. You rub your belly and say, oh, "That went down a treat." Oh, so Ooh. it went down well, like yeah. it was very pleasing. That was a treat you. that went oh, down uh-huh. in a manner that was pleasing to me. This episode of the Cooler Podcast mm-hmm. goes down a treat. Yep. Yes. Okay. E- exactly. Yes, you're getting there. No okay. indigestion. Okay. Hopefully. Here's another one that I use quite a lot: taking the piss. Taking a piss out of <laughs> no, taking the piss. Taking yeah. The oh, sorry, piss. Meant, no, not taking a piss. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I know that piss. one, girl. I know that one. Yeah, exactly. That not... Like I'm familiar. So taking making the piss. fun of something. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's making a mockery. But I looked up where this phrase comes from. It's quite rude. Are you prepared for me to tell you? Please do. Okay, so it refers to like deflating someone's ego, right? So apparently, it may be a reference to a really dated expression, "piss proud." Oh, okay. Which. Can you have a guess what that might mean if a gentleman had <laughs> gone to sleep and then awoken in the morning, uh, refreshed, full day ahead? Oh, I got it. You got, I you got, got it. it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So and if it. you're taking the piss, you're literally deflating someone. <gasps> yeah. You're deflating their ego. <gasps> and I'm just, I'm just saying. There you go. Hello. The very last wonderful idiom that I want to deliver unto you is drop a clanger. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, is that like... I'm thinking poop. Is that poop? Yeah. If I one drops like a clanger, related. what do you think? I feel like it's poop related, no? It is not, guys. Drop a clanger? A clanger. 
Like, <laughs> is it like drops the mic? Like, I'm, I'm done? Like, period? Exclamation mark? It's a, the end? a little bit like that. Okay. But it's to say something by, purely by accident that um, you really put your foot in it. Right? Oh, so faux pas. It's a, it is a faux pas. Mm. I dropped a clang. Oh, I really dropped a clang in the hair. Exactly. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm trying all these on. Per our old friend, the Cambridge Idiomatic Dictionary, mm-hmm. the example usage is... <laughs> oh, God, sorry. Breathe. I dropped a clanger by asking John how his dog was when it's been dead three months. Ooh. Whoa. Yeah, John doesn't like that. Clearly. How, but when's the last time you spoke to John if she didn't know? <laughs> exactly. Bigger I'm problems, on John. John's side. Bad friend. So, guys, that's a little whistle stop tour through the British idioms that you should all know. What's Go a and whistle use them? stop? Oh, for f- <laughs> <laughs> That's just it's a little whistle stop. That's a little, little whistle stop. stop. Oh, do you genuinely not? I've never heard that. Oh, for- Is it a train? Maybe. I don't why didn't look I felt like up, I feel like it's a train. The toot toot. That's what I imagined. They were going to be on the little train. Like, chick, 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 even when you don't intend to, you teach me. You lead me through the Garden of Eden and oh. teach me things. I thought you were going to say, even when you don't intend to, you still mess up. <laughs> no. <laughs> rude. Rude. Thank you for educating Thank us. Thank you so much. What a problem. Don't have kittens, guys. <sighs> Never. I hope that segment went down a treat. Mmm. Mm. Delicious. So, are either of you Harry Potter fans? Yes. Are you? Beyond. It's kind of heretical. But no, I'm just not into Harry Potter. I have two younger brothers, much, much younger than me, and they grew up watching it. So mm. I have fond feelings towards it for that. But otherwise, couldn't give a stuff. I'm with you. Like, I've, <laughs> I've maybe watched half of one of the movies, but I'm not really a big fan. But yeah. I know it's a big deal. I know that there are people who love the series, yep. know everything, or claim to know everything about yeah. the series, yeah. and they're obsessed, right? So recently, the fans got into a bit of a uproar about a casting decision. Oh, that's yeah. they always do. Yes, because Harry Potter is going to, not Broadway, but a theater in London, and they are doing Harry Potter the Cursed. I always want to say the Cursed. Is it the Cursed or the Cursed? Let's I, go I, with Cursed. I like, I like the Cursed, right? <laughs> so there, so a recent casting for Harry Potter and the Cursed Child caused an uproar with her fans, with uh, J.K. Rowling's fans, oh. because they chose to cast a woman named Noma Doomsweeney as Herm- Hermione. Hermione. They chose to cast her as Hermione. Hermione. I always used to think it was Hermione. Oh, my God. Um, and so what's the problem? Um, she sounds not white. <laughs> what? Bingo. She's not white. So a lot of fans were really pissed. Like, how dare you? Like, how dare you how be smirched our series with some melanin up in here? No. How dare you no, take no, no. a fictional character? So they weren't having it. So J.K. Rollins came out on Twitter and she had to like clap back and said, quote, brown eyes, frizzy hair and very clever. White skin was never specified. Rowling loves black Hermione. 
There you go. She's really good on Twitter, by the way, regardless of how you feel about Harry Potter or J.K. Rowling in general. She's really good at Twitter. She claps back. She She will fight you. And so, like, people just automatically assumed, and I think we had something similar a couple years ago when The Hunger Games came out. And Amanda Lestenberg was Rue in the movie, and people were super pissed, and they were mad that Rue was black. Yeah. Yeah. I actually read a tweet from someone saying, I found the death of Rue really sad in the book, (coughs) and then I watched the movie, and I didn't feel so sad about it. Someone put that out into the public You know who did it? At Jasper Parat. <laughs> hey, Jasper. Said, Receipts. Quote, call me racist, but when I found out Rue was black, her death wasn't as sad. I'm going to call you a racist, Jasper. Um, I will say that later Jasper amended the tweet with the hashtag, I hate myself. <gasps> you should. Hashtag yeah. me too. So <laughs> Was he just like, it was a rough night? I'd had too much I don't drink. know, but he I like, really clearly racist. expressed some remorse for the tweeting that. But like that still sort of like doesn't answer the question about why people assume. That's a whole bigger question about why people uh, yeah. assume characters who are unspecified are white, right? White so is then, default. Exactly. Fast forward to 2015 when Ghostbusters came out with an all-female cast. Here we go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and people were up in arms about that and up in arms about uh, comedian Leslie Jones's character who was basically summed up as like the street smart character. So people mm-hmm. were pissed off about that. So beyond the, the sexist and the racist stuff, because we could be here all day talking about that. We really could. <laughs> and we can't afford the studio time. We can't afford I'll tell you that. <laughs> I started to think about sort of like how much license do directors, like filmmakers and, and people who are directing theaters have when they're touching sort of like cult classics or like liter- literary classics. Can they just cast whoever they want to? Does the race matter? Can they even switch up the gender? Mm. Like how far can we go with this? So are there like particular books or adaptations that you think did a great job? Well, a job? it's not a classic and I didn't like it, but uh, <laughs> uh, Angelina Jolie, well, back when she was still making movies, uh, did an action movie called Salt in which she oh, was yeah. kind of a, a badass. And uh, apparently the, the role was originally written for Tom Cruise. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Also, how the hell did I forget that the character of Ellen Ripley in Alien was originally meant to be a dude? Really? Wow. Yeah. Hello? Yeah. And Hello. Sigourney Weaver came in and just took it over. Yeah. She's like, I got this. You go. So I can't believe I kicked off with salt I as my, got this. my example there. Gender is a construct, so yeah. it makes sense that, you know, we can just flit between male and female. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter, people. Get over it. Just what about you, Emmanuel? All right. I love To Kill a Mockingbird, the movie, mm. and the book. They're both great. Well done, Harper Lee. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't read the book, but The Shining is an amazing movie. Ooh, yeah. yeah, the book's good. It's very different. Really? Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, focuses a lot more on the uh, Jack Torrance's character's alcoholism and uh, a kind of familial abuse, and it's it's good. Like I'm not a big Stephen King super fan, but it's scary as well. F- Don't read it alone. I feel like they always have to in the book. They always cut out some things when you when you love a book yes. and you watch the movie. You're always like, <laughs> but what about that part? But what about that part? And then you're like, okay, yeah. well, it's time sensitive. We got you're like, missing the nuance. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I also like. This recent Wuthering Heights adaptation by director Andrea Arnold. Mm. It was just atmospheric and everything that Wuthering Heights needs to be. And Heathcliff was cute. Something Heathcliff's uh, black in that adaptation, yeah, right? Yeah, So full circle with that. Full yeah. circle. Yeah, where in it does it say that he wasn't? Yeah, like there are some allusions to him exactly. being like slightly dark. Same with Rue in the Hunger Games. People make the assumption though. Yeah. So I have many, but I will just start. <laughs> I will just like do some highlights. One, I never wrote the books, but I know people who have read the books. And based on what they have told me, I think I like the series better. Game of Thrones. 
Love Game yeah. of Thrones. Never read the books. I got way too much life ahead of me, and I cannot spend it <laughs> reading these books. And also, you know what happens. Exactly. You get Got to give a shout-out to Waiting to Excel, because I used to sneak the book off my mom's shelf, and then I went to go see the movie. So that was everything. The Color Purple, Train Spotting. I should have read the book because it was assigned in college. I didn't. I watched the movie instead. <laughs> oh, and your professor probably thought, like, I'm so cool giving them this Irvin Welsh train spotting to read. Exactly. And you didn't even read didn't it. Didn't even read it. Sorry. Um, ones I hated, Fifty Shades of Grey was awful. Like, I'm oh. ashamed to admit that what, I the read book? the series <gasps> and I saw it? the movie. What, and I was like, ha- whoa, oh. whoa, sorry. Just back up there. The series. You <laughs> Listen, read the- This is a safe space, Carly. No, <laughs> supposed You've to read be. all three of them? I read all three of them. And another one I'm ashamed to admit, I didn't read all of them, but I read some of them, uh, Twilight. So at the time, I was like working in a place where all of the women around me were reading it and they were all like super giddy about it and I wanted to fit in. Mm. So I tried to read it and it was crap. And they were like, are you a werewolf or a vampire lover? Like, which one? And you're like, I need to find out. (laughs) So I saw the movies. Both of them were horrible. Um, And then lastly, I would like a television series to be remade. I would like for there to be a Wonder Years remake. Oh, for the '80s kids, yeah, with actors of color. Let's do it. There you go. Well, borrowing from our friends over at another round, Tracy and Heaven, shout out. Hey, I would like to play a quick little game of Would You Rather Film Edition. Yes. Are you ready? (laughs) I know it's about to get real when you clear your throat. Yes, it's about to get real. Like with that racist tweet before, you were like, (laughs) Would you rather watch a version of The Wizard of Oz? In which Dorothy was played by Courtney Love. <laughs> or watch a version of Sound of Music in which Julie Andrews was replaced by Sharon Osbourne. Oh, my, oh God. my God. Sharon's choice. I can't make it. I can easily make that. Sound of Music is dear to me. Courtney Love in Wizard of Oz. It's already trippy enough. She can add to the she flavor. She would be quite cracked out, really, wouldn't <laughs> yes. she? Yeah. And the poppy scene, like, it stands in for cocaine, and she has some history with that. Yeah. So it all goes together. I vote I would rather Courtney Love. Okay. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm going to back up Emmanuel. But, and having never seen The Sound of Music, so I, I can't really express a preference. I hate when you remind me of that. I know. I'm really sorry. You're going to back it. So here's the thing. I've seen clips. I don't think I've ever said it and watched the whole thing, but I'm just trying to imagine Sharon singing. Oh. <laughs> oh. I just love the fact that the guy who was in it calls it the sound of mucus. Yes. <laughs> Shady, right? Mm-hmm. Next question. Would you rather watch a version of Shawshank Redemption? <laughs> Sorry, I'm already laughing. <laughs> in which Morgan Freeman and Tim Ribbons Robin. were played. Oh, <laughs> Would you rather watch a version of Shawshank Redemption in which Morgan Freeman and Tob... Tob... <laughs> I can't even say the man's name. Tom Tom Tob Ribbons. Tob Robbins. God. Oh. Tim Robbins. I'm having a Tim Robbins. Tob Blubins. Just say Susan Sarandon's okay. ex-husband. Would you yeah. rather watch a, a version of Shawshank Redemption in which Morgan Freeman and Tom... Just whatever. You know what I mean. Were replaced by the artist formerly known as Kylie Jenner's boyfriend. Tyga. And Robert Pattinson. Okay. Or a version of Pulp Fiction in which Samuel Jackson... And John Travolta were replaced mm. by Kanye West and Justin Bieber. Last one. The last one. Yes, yes. beyond. That's really? amazing. That would be so good. You should send that to a Hollywood someone Kanye and make that. <laughs> Imagine them like bantering about Royale. Jesus. And they're both so bratty. They can like have a bratathon. And first. I also want to see the bit where they have to take off all their cool clothes and put on really dorky clothes. Yeah. Because all their clothes got covered in blood. Yeah. Ooh. Would you rather watch a version of Casablanca where Humphrey Bogart and Ingrid Bergman were replaced by 
Iggy Azalea and Vanilla Ice. <laughs> Here you go with this nonsense. <laughs> oh, my God. Or a version of The Notebook in which Ryan Gosling and Rachel McAdams, shout out Mean Girls, are replaced by Azalea Banks and Keanu Reeves. Uh, wow. I, I think Keanu should make far more films than he does. So Keanu all the way. With Azalea Banks. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, I'm just checking with you to make sure just you're Just checking you heard correctly. the part about Azalea Banks. Um, yeah, I'll go with Carly. Okay. Ooh, Iggy. That's gonna, you can't watch Iggy and Vanilla Ice? It's just <laughs> too much. If it was just one God. white imposter, then that would be fine. Oh Okay, I I know how I feel about this one, but I'm going to ask you. (laughs) Would you rather watch a version of The Godfather in which Al Pacino was replaced by Rihanna? Love it. Or a version of E.T. where Elliot was replaced by adult Miley Cyrus? (laughs) (laughs) You joke. I think Miley could do it. I mean... I don't joke now. I love E.T. <laughs> so much. And I'm almost tearing up a little bit thinking about how much emotional. I love E.T. <laughs> I love it so much. You went home, Carly. I'm sorry. Oh, God. Did you, I, I think I told you guys I went to Universal Studios once um, with my family and they play uh, the music of Universal films everywhere, including the bathrooms. And I went into the bathroom and they were playing the John Williams theme from E.T. <laughs> And then they were like, Carly, you've been in here for 20 minutes. Did you have a damp, squibby diarrhea (laughs) session? And you're like just crying. Did you have kittens? (laughs) (laughs) Just sobbing in the bathroom. Would you rather watch a version of Star Wars in which the entire cast was replaced by 90s heartthrob boy band New Edition? Okay. Or a version of Star Wars because there are like a million versions of Star Wars, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, six. Six. Prequels and sequels. One of the prequels and sequels in which the entire cast was replaced by Puffy's 1990s bad boy roster. Bad boy. That one. (laughs) Faith Evans as Princess Leia. No, (laughs) Little Cam as Princess Leia, actually. (laughs) She would be great. So guys, it's traditional that we ride out on a song, and as this week is my turn, I want you all to hear a new band, I don't know if they're new, a band called Christine and the Queens. They're new to us. And they're French. Ooh la la. And all the songs are pretty good, but there's one song in particular called Saint-Claude, or Saint-Claude. And I just think it's great, so I think you should listen. Let's do it. Here's my station. That's our show for this week. Don't forget to take our survey, which is pinned to the top of our Twitter page, at Pop. Please fill it out. Let us know what you think. Tell us a little about yourself, your thoughts, your dreams, aspirations, crushes, whatever. Favorite emoji? Bring it. Thanks to our podcast papa, David Marcus. Thanks to Carolyn Pennypacker-Riggs for our amazing theme song that you hear at the beginning of the show. Thank you to Howard Gelman behind the glass. And thanks to Jay Simpson for helping me edit. 
Please subscribe on iTunes. Also, rate us if you like us. If you don't, um, you never heard this. Until next week, find us on social media. I am Excuse My Beauty without the first D on Twitter. I am at Teacup in the Bay. I am at Jimmy says. Follow us. Favorite our stuff. Retweet. Bye. Bye. Bye.